0: Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 42, and we're recording on December 13th. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot, as usual. And today we've got LGBTQ SFF Rex, which is super exciting. And you have a shout out, you want
1: to... Yeah. Wanna, <laughs> I, I realized as we were prepping that this was episode 42, and I had this brief moment of regret that we hadn't noticed in advance and had done some sort of like Douglas Adamsy theme. Not that, that I'm not... So I'm super excited about today's topic. I just also was like, oh, that would have been a thing. <laughs> um, so just like to briefly shout out... 42 as the best number in the universe. That's all.
0: Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Douglas
0: (laughs) Adams, for giving us that. One day, maybe next year, maybe at 140. Well, there you go. We'll just take the one off. We'll have to be really convoluted about it. (laughs) (laughs) 1-42. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, before we start talking about some SFF news, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is us. And it's the Read Harder Journal, which is beautiful and fantastic. I actually have the one from 2018, so I can't wait to see everybody else getting it. I, I've actually seen a bunch of people talking about how they received it and they were really excited. So the journal is created by us, by Book Riot, and the smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read, it's evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015, and we just released the new task for 2019, which was super exciting. That was uh, the day before we were recording, actually. Uh, Which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books. Get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant. Find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. So basically you're going to be set if you have this journal and you're planning out your 2019 reading goals. So again, pick up the Read Harder journal for 2019. All right. Let's talk about some news. Uh, Do you want to kick us off with your
1: incredible (laughs) work of art? (laughs) Yes, I do. So if you are a longtime listener, you might remember that last year I fell down a rabbit hole uh, during best of season, which is now. And I compiled in a spreadsheet a bunch of the different best of lists looking specifically for the sci-fi fantasy titles. And I have done it again. I fell down the very same (laughs) rabbit hole, this time on purpose. Um, And I have even more sources this year. I will say that my methodology is a little wibbly. Like some of these lists were specifically for sci-fi fantasy and some of them just had some sci-fi fantasy mixed in. And I just picked the ones that I had either heard of or thought were interesting, So it is by no means exhaustive. But there are um, 32 different sources of best of titles involved. And I thought this list was super interesting. Mm -hmm. There were two clear frontrunners that got the most mentions. And they were basically neck and neck. And I think if I had continued collecting, they would have stayed within one or two of each other. Because every time one pulled ahead, the other one would catch up. And those two titles were Circe by Madeline Miller... Sharifa's favorite.
0: Yes, I've been screaming about it a lot.
1: <laughs> and Severance by Ling Ma, which I loved. I loved, loved, loved. I don't know that I've talked about it on this show, but I recommended it I in the Swords so. and Spaceships newsletter. It's been I've recommended it a couple of times on Get Booked. So, I've been talking about it other places. It probably just didn't fit with a the theme that we've had. Um, but I loved it. It's a really odd sort of apocalypse, mid-apocalypse. Epidemic flu novel. Uh really like quiet, intense, and, and really sarcastic and sort of satirical. Um it kind of reminds me of like Zone 1 by Colson Whitehead, for example. Definitely Ooh, along good. those lines. Yeah, except like if you mashed up Zone 1 with maybe one of Jamie Attenberg's novels, like that's what it's like. Wow. Um, yeah, it's real good. I liked it a lot. But those were the clear frontrunners. They had 13 and 12 mentions respectively, which means in around 30 sources that they were mentioned in like basically a third of them. So that was pretty solid. And then um, the top 10 in order of, well, sort Word of order appearance, there were a bunch of people tied for seven and a bunch of people tied at six mentions. Um, but Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, which I don't think anyone is surprised no. to hear made it. <laughs> the Poppy War by R.F. Kwang, which also should definitely be up there, and I'm delighted to see it in there. Uh, How Long Till Black Future Month, which just barely made it out this year, it was a late November publication, yeah, but it got mentions all over the place and well deserved. I loved it, it's a great collection. Um Space Opera by Catherine Valenti which Sharif I know you've talked about. Yeah, I was actually surprised
0: that made it though because it's so niche I feel mm. like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm glad to see it there.
1: And she has a real solid fan base too. She does. So I wasn't so surprised, but yeah, if I had to pick a dark horse, well, that one and one other are the dark horses. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosewater by Tade Thompson, which you Yay! have heard us talk all about. I know. I was like dusting my shoulder. Off, I was like, know. yeah, we picked the best of <laughs> before it was cool. <laughs> That's just how we are. I know we're so good at this. Um, <laughs> and then Freshwater by which you just recommended.
0: I did. I did. And I was really, really happy to see that on the list. I feel like it's been getting a lot of uh, awards as well recently. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's been bringing it uh, to the forefront of people's minds and making them pick it up, which is amazing. I'm so happy for it
1: yeah for sure i mean i know it's technically that one's like a little fringy and dark horsey because it's yes. more speculative, it's speculative sort of but i still think it counts um totally and that one is by aquaica and mezzi hopefully i got that mostly right um apologies if not and then trail of lightning by rebecca roanhorse also not surprised to see that on here that was getting tons of buzz and then Witchmark by cl polk made it which made me so happy <laughs> Because I loved that book, you have but to I just read it. I just didn't see that many other people talking about it. It felt like like I knew of a couple like everybody who I recommended it to who picked it up also loved it. But I just I just maybe I just missed it. But I didn't see the buzz for it happening online in a way I would have liked to. So I'm just delighted that that got a nod as well. Um, like the buzz for Trail of Lightning, I felt like was really strong, mm-hmm. but Witchmark not so much. But they got they both were tied at. Mentions. Um, so I don't know. I feel like this list is great. There's really good books and also a hugely diverse list. Yes. Like this is a real nice diverse representation of different kinds of science fiction and fantasy there is sci-fi there is fantasy there's speculative there's magical like there's dystopia there's spaceships there's short stories there's I mean it's just a really broad representation and that like makes my little heart sing
0: I know I I was really like I feel like these lists get better and better over time and I'm Mm. I'm it makes me hopeful about people picking up more books by, you know, diverse writers and more books that have diverse stories and plots and settings. So I am similarly thrilled by it. And I'm so happy that a lot of my favorites personally made this list because I feel like I want them to have all of the success and all of the money and I want them to write more books. So Mm
1: -hmm, this mm -hmm. is wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I am. Um, I'm gonna make this list, the spreadsheet, available uh, to everybody, anybody who's listening in the show notes. You'll be able to click through and see, and you can sort and stuff. Um, and you will also be able to see the sources and then last year's titles. Um, so yeah, you can play with it if you like. Um, there are. I logged how many was it? Do do do. There's 123 titles that I logged from those 32 sources that all sort of fit in some way or another under. The SF- SFF umbrella, um, some of which we've talked about, some of which were new to me. So there's interesting reading in here for sure. Um, so I definitely recommend taking a look. If you're hard up for if you're hard up for reading material, you yeah. will find some. Um, but yeah, it's an, it's an interesting list. I did not log series position this year because it wasn't relevant to the top 10. Unlike last year when it was like a bunch of the best of were actually like middle of series books. So, um, so I didn't do that this year, but, uh, yeah, super interesting.
0: This is amazing. Thank you so much for doing this every year. It's, um it's I think it is gonna
1: wonder. have to be an every year thing now because it's so interesting to look at. Like what Yeah. And, you know, the thing that tipped Cersei and Severance over is I think that both of them are sort of borderline literary fiction and sci-fi yes. fantasy. Like there's the only thing that makes them literary is really their publishers. It's not like There's nothing about the books that's not sci-fi and fantasy. It's just that they were marketed to a wider audience and they were published by not like specifically niche publishers. So I think, I I think really, honestly, that's what tips them over the, you know, the mark of the other ones. But I'm also, that kind of, that makes me even extra happy that these books have gained such traction in audiences outside of sci-fi fantasy. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, it is almost
0: like the Colson Whitehead effect. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's just like there are certain books who that it, I feel like people when they pick them up don't even really, even though Colson Whitehead could be writing about zombies and Malin Miller is writing about a witch mm-hmm. and mythology. Like I don't think people necessarily for whatever reason think oh this is science fiction and fantasy which is such a strange thing but it's it's also really fascinating and that absolutely makes sense to me as to why
1: they would end up like on so many lists yeah yeah like not the not just the genre list but all of the lists exactly for sure yeah i mean i think it bodes well for all sci-fi and fantasy because that means that those sort of literary devices are becoming more like accessible or more acceptable or whatever the word is I don't know but uh yeah. but yeah I think it's I think it's great I'm excited
0: I am too and I look forward to seeing what these lists look like 5 years down the line fantastic yeah,
1: Oh my gosh, now I'm having like spreadsheet palpitations about five oh years my worth God. of data. That will be so interesting. <laughs> oh my goodness. You really love spreadsheets. I it's really it. do. It's just, you
0: should have, we need to get you a badge or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I will take a badge.
0: It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Well, I actually want to talk about a story that we we haven't been able to get to. It actually happened quite a little while ago, like at the beginning of November. But I had to bring it up because it's just so funny. Funny in some ways to me. It's probably not, like, great. But so J.K. Rowling <laughs> ended up having to sue a former employee for so many reasons. So many strange reasons, but mostly for theft. <laughs> and the thefts are really strange so in this piece it says supposedly so i guess we can say allegedly Mm -hmm. using a company credit card to buy herself a couple of cats was one of the items she definitely did steal from jk rowling but the cats part is the maybe it happened (laughs) but i really like that that just blew me over and so this former assistant for and I don't know what could have been going through her mind to think that she would never get caught, but it was basically like you know when you're an assistant, you get some some access to things like you're gonna buy you know you're going out to buy J.K. Rowling some coffee and then maybe you buy yourself a few things. So she bought herself a whole bunch of things. It says like two thousand dollars in Starbucks purchases. And $1,936 in luxury candles and $600 Hogwarts Express – a $600 Hogwarts Express toy. So it's kind of weird because some of of this stuff is like, well, did she have to buy those things for work or something? And the way that they phrase this piece – And these purchases is like oh well she had to do these things for you know her magic potions for her Starbucks (laughs) purchases and her luxury candles for her incantation supplies. So it's just strange. There was a total of almost $31,000 taken from J.K. Rowling. So it's I was just like baffled. I thought that this was like a humorous piece like it was satirical when I first read it because it just seemed completely out there that somebody would do this but obviously she's fired and obviously she's getting sued but I just had to bring it up it was just this one of the strangest stories I've come across toward the end of this year
1: yeah i i also i knew exactly where you were going when you started talking about this yeah. and 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 to your defense the av club who i linked to in the show notes for this story there were a bunch of different places you could read about it but the av clubs is particularly funny because they are it is definitely like <laughs> pulling in all of the harry potter trivia around this and like they are making fun a bit but yeah um not even a bit they're making fun but yeah, totally. like apparently this assistant was with Rolling for 3 years and over the course of that is accused of stealing like $31,000 worth of stuff um, or like incorrect charges on company cards. Yeah. So I mean that's that's a lot of stuff. That's, that's a definitely lot. a lot of stuff. And I do really hope I don't, I, I mean, obviously it is terrible and um, mm-hmm. assistants should not do this, but I really want the cat thing to be true. Like I just, Me too. because it's just so bizarre. It's like who buys themselves fancy cats? with a company credit card like what what were you thinking i just don't understand um and it's it's been bugging me since i read the story because forever ago i read this really hilarious like sort of satirical almost bridget jonesy style novel about a woman who becomes a famous author's writing 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 assistant and like it's not this exactly but it reminded me so strongly and i have not been able to come up with the name of that book but i was just all I could think of was this book that I read like in two thousand and seven or something.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I hope somebody um, listening can identify it.
1: Yeah, like it was like the the spoiler. I'll just give it away. Is that yeah. um, she's the author has hired her because the author has like n- is run out of ideas and wants to steal this new assistant's writing ideas um, but like the the woman she has hired is faking about being a writer herself and so like there's nothing to steal um, and it's just like a comedy of it's like a farce it's a comedy of errors but it was really entertaining and also you know that assistant life um, yeah <laughs> and so but yeah like I really this story is just so bizarre and I, I'm glad we finally got to it because it is the kind of year end like gossipy weird yes, thing I love it. that's just like, oh yeah, that remember when that happened? Like, remember when JK Rowling had to sue her assistant for buying cats? Like, that's a thing that happened in 2018. Cool. It's a good way to remember the
0: year instead of so many other things.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's right. I would rather remember this. It's very true. <laughs>
0: oh
1: <laughs> Lord. Oh, let's see. What should we talk about next? Oh, I want to talk about the casting for one of the many Ursula Le Guin adaptations that is underway. Um, So there is a movie being made out of Nine Lives, which is one of Le Guin's sci-fi novelettes. And they have cast, Are You Ready?, johnny lee miller and common as the two (laughs) main leads like hello that's amazing um and i when i saw this story which is also granted from november so apologies but it's still relevant to our lives um because common and johnny lee miller like hello um I pulled out one of my story collections of hers that I have, and I found the story and I read it. And in the original story, um, there is, like, the casting seems really appropriate because one of the characters is this like, you know, maybe, I can't, I think he's maybe Welsh or something like that. Um, You know, somebody from the UK, and then there is a black, uh, the other character is black. And so, it's pretty clear to me um, who has been cast for what. And I think they really did a great job. Like, I can see as I was reading this story, I had already read this news, and I was like, "Oh, I can totally see those actors playing these roles." Um, and it's a really interesting. It's actually a really great. I guess I keep calling it a story, but it is technically a novelette. um They these are these are two mining scouts who end up needing to work with a team of clones, and it's like ten clones, and half of them are male and half of them are female, but they are all clones of the same person, and they sort of operate as a unit. And then something terrible happens, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm so curious as how they're going to cast and then do the clones like what will Mm. they will it be like computery will it be more like something like out of orphan black where they have one actor like playing a bunch of different roles with some body doubles and some CGI stuff like who knows but I'm super curious how that's going to happen it's entering production and there's no official release date that I have seen Uh, but I am jazzed about this one I think it's a story that will lend itself really well to the big screen and I I'm really hopeful that the director will retain some of the sort of original gist of the novelette, because it's a really, it's really a story about connection and like identity and finding family where you least expect it. And I hope, I hope it doesn't just turn into like explosions and whatever, you know, version of that. Like, I hope that it retains some of the original almost pathos. It's so good. It's really good. Um, there are spoilers, I will warn you, there's spoilers for the novelette in the link in the show notes, which I have avoided saying at the moment. Um, <laughs> so if you click through, like, be aware that they basically have the entire plot of the story in the notes about this casting. Um, so you could just know that it's Johnny Lee Miller in common and then go find yourself the novelette. It's great. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm super jazzed about that casting. Ooh, I'm going to read it. It's funny. Yeah. I can never
0: see Johnny Lee Miller as anything but the character from his character from Hackers.
1: So. <laughs> his Sherlock has replaced his Hacker's character for me. I, I know. Fast. I
0: haven't seen that show. That's probably yeah. why. I need to go watch that first and then watch this just so that I can like have a palate there cleanser you know. or something.
1: I do really love Sherlock. For the record, the fact that it's like Joan Watson and Lucy Liu plays yes. Joan Watson, and then Johnny Lee Miller. Oh, it's such a good. They they're so good together. Their on screen chemistry is amazing like friend chemistry it's a bromance it's not a romance that's (laughs) that's really amazing so
0: that's awesome i'm looking forward to this too i basically am looking forward to anything ursula Guin. so that's super exciting Mm -hmm. um do we have time for one more yeah i I can just briefly talk about this george rr martin's wild cards news I feel like I can't preface anything with his name because everybody's going to assume <laughs> I'm talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah. This is not about that. This is about another series. Uh, actually, it's a whole universe. So there are anthologies and some separate stories. It's the Wild Card series. It was just picked up by Hulu. Um, and the news has been trickling out about this for a couple months now. I think it landed its Hulu spot earlier in November, um, and they've just been, you know, posting updates about it since. But, of course, they're coming out pretty slowly. But they are planning two series for this. Um, None of them have obviously come out yet. They're in development and they have a lot of material to work from. It is like a franchise, basically, and they are making it out to be this media franchise. So uh, it's a shared universe of anthologies. This is the way they're describing it. It's a shared universe of anthologies, mosaic novels, and standalone stories written by a collection of authors edited by George R. R. Martin. So this isn't just from uh, George R. R. Martin, and he also had a co-editor. Snodgrass. I'm trying to find his Melinda Snodgrass uh, is the co-editor of this franchise. So they're just going in the whole hog with two series, which is it's kind of not surprising because it is George R. R. Martin and his work has obviously translated successfully, and his projects have translated successfully over. To television and uh, to film soon. And so I'm just like, I just don't know how much more he can do.
1: But <laughs> oh, well, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's not going to stop anytime mm. soon. So um, this is still in development. There isn't that much information about it. There were actually a couple of stories I found about it, but even the more recent news didn't have that much more information about um dates and i just want to make sure it actually doesn't have like a time yeah there's nothing about that yet but this is like it's a 27 volume book series and the first volume was published in 1986 so they're really going back Mm -hmm. for some of this stuff and i you know it's just because it it makes them money so who knows what else we're going to get like i I probably don't know half of the stuff George R.R. R. Martin has worked on and published in his past. And who knows how much more of it will end up being adapted for the big and the small screen. But it's interesting. I am totally – I'm coming into it like not knowing very much about this franchise and this universe. So um, I'm interested in seeing how they – develop it and what the story is actually going to be and who's going to be in it but that remains to be seen
1: yeah i have two thoughts the first is it's another anthology show which again very interesting this is a lot this is like an i think this is now an established trend right yes. like we're seeing it all over the place i'm really curious to see how this all plays out obviously black mirror did really well or it seems to be doing really well i actually don't know any like numbers for viewerships or whatever but i'm always seeing references to it so i can only assume that it's doing I think well so. and you know where american horror story is still going on and that's i think maybe the first recent one that i can think of there might be another one but that's sort of the most prominent example that i can think of and the longest running to date um I mean, Twilight Zone is coming back, right? Like, uh-huh. all of these things are happening. And I think it's really interesting. And I'm here for this trend. How many of them I will actually watch remains <laughs> to be seen. Because I'm barely getting any TV time in as it is. But um, And most of it goes to the Great British Bake Off, if I'm being perfectly Same. honest. <laughs> but, but that being said, I think it's a really interesting trend, and I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. Okay, the second thought I had is just sort of a stray thought. But am I the only okay. one I know I can't be the only one who thinks Grimm whenever I see George R. R Martin like his name and particularly his initials, like in my head, it's like, oh Grimm has something new going on like that's totally. just how my <laughs> brain processes his name at this point.
0: that's such a random thought, but it is so true right. i i I am exactly the same way, and I never even thought about it, so. yeah, there you're not alone,
1: okay, cool. <laughs> All right, let's see. So it is time for our second sponsor before we get into our LGBTQ sci-fi fantasy picks. Um, And the second sponsor is also us. It is our True Story giveaway. Obviously, this is a show about science fiction fantasy, but we know that that's not all you read. And so you will want to hear about this. We are giving away 10 of our favorite works of nonfiction from this past year, including Educated by Tara Westover, One Person No Vote by Carol Ann. Anderson, I'll be gone in the dark by Michelle McNamara and more. To enter, you just sign up for True Story, our nonfiction newsletter for nonfiction news, book recommendations, and deals, and more. You can go to bookriot.com/slash nonfiction giveaway to enter. If you are already a su- subscriber to True Story, go ahead and fill it out anyway to get yourself in there. We will just remove all of the duplicates when it comes time to sign folks up for the newsletter. So you if you're already signed up, that's no problem. You should enter anyway. Um, So again, Mm -hmm. that is bookriot.com slash nonfiction giveaway, and it's 10 of our favorite works of nonfiction from the past year. It's a good sweeps, I will tell you that. Yeah, it looks
0: amazing. Mm -hmm. I want that stack of books.
1: I know, right? It's a good stack.
0: (laughs) I always want our stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to kick us off with our LGBTQ uh, science fiction and fantasy picks, and I'm going to start with my fantasy pick. Which is, no surprises perhaps, Freshwater by Eki and Macy, um, which did make it to the top of the list. And I actually did mention this last show. I was kind of rushing through it and I said that I would be back to talk about it again for sure. I had no idea when I would actually do that. But this provided the perfect opportunity for me to actually talk about this book (laughs) because I loved it so much and – I feel like I'm going to very quickly have to retire it from me talking about it because I'm already uh, going overboard. But it's really good. I cannot recommend this anymore. Uh, It was just such a unique read. And I went into this book knowing that It's not a straightforward memoir. It's not straightforward fantasy. It's not straightforward anything. It's very like we were saying when we were talking about it on all the best of lists. It's very speculative. um, And it has those magical realism elements. But there's such a big part of this book. I absolutely think of this as science fiction and fantasy. Uh, It's not straightforward memoir. But it is... It was unusual in my personal reading experience to come across something that was so pulled from the author's life, but also was a novel. And the way that it's done is just like, it's so perfect and so wonderful. And the way that she explores themes that I'm sure she had to actually deal with in her life in this sort of magical realism setting is just incredible. It's just incredible. I was blown away by this concept of kind of taking your personal story and parsing through these complex themes. Um, So here's what the story is about. The story follows uh, Ada, who's born in Nigeria. And like Amezi, Ada is Igbo and Tamil growing up in Nigeria. But Ada's different. She's born with these Obanji And the Obanji are spirits from the other side. They're trapped between the gates when when Ada was born. So Ada, in essence, is of two worlds and two mothers. And she comes to recognize the Obanji and rely on them to help her through, to help her through her life. And this book does come with some trigger warnings uh, for rape, self-harm, and suicide, Ada suffers a lot of trauma, and for better or for worse, that's when these Obanji come into their power to protect her and to keep other people out, other people who might harm her. And while Ada lives what is on the surface a really interesting, artistic, and exciting life that takes her from Nigeria to Appalachia and around the States, she comes to terms with what it'll mean for her future to have the Obanji standing between her and life. Like what it what it means to avoid hurt by any means and who she wants to be. So in this world of spirits and liminal spaces and these gods who speak to her in person, Ada explores her identity as well as her grief. And... It's funny because after all of my excitement to talk about the book, I I ended up finding it like I was trying to think about like how will I describe it? And I found it really difficult to describe because so much of the book is about the reading experience, like from the prose, which is really lyrical and almost comes across as, you know, fable-esque or part of a mythology to this abstract space of the liminal world that Ada and these Obanji inhabit. To the Obanji themselves as well, who have this huge role in the story and who actually tell parts of the story from their perspective, looking out at the world through Ada's eyes. So I think that if you love weird fiction and magical realism and contemporary stories that have speculative elements, or if you're particularly looking for stories about non-binary people written by non-binary people, I would absolutely recommend Freshwater. It really exposes or explores identity in a really unique way, and it presented this character who was really complex and who pulled from a really deep well of emotion, and it confronted depression and while some of some of the elements of the story like being possessed by Obanji wouldn't speak to everyone, obviously not all of us know what that feels like. I think that the elements of Ada's reality like the trauma and the mental illness and the relationships felt very grounded in reality um, and they were coming from a place of experience which I really appreciated. So – This is definitely a book I won't be forgetting anytime soon. I'm probably going to push it into the hands of everybody I come across. Um, So again, that was Freshwater by Aqua Eki and Maisie.
1: Yeah, I have got to read it. I've been hearing so much about it all year, and you love it so much. And one of these days, I will get to (laughs) it. I swear I'll read it. Um, My first pick is sort of, I like played fast and loose with our usual rules here. I'm not going to lie. My books are both sort of straddle some categories. And um, So Lucky by Nicola Griffith is my first pick. And it is perhaps not technically sci-fi or fantasy or even magical realism, although there are a few sort of like hallucinatory or otherworldly touches to it. Um, but Nicola Griffith, excuse me, Griffith is a mainstay of the sci-fi fantasy community. Um, she wrote Ammonite, which is probably one of her most famous books. She also wrote Hild, which I love, 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 and which, if you love like medieval pre-Christian sort of bucolic narratives with some magic in them you will also love um so she's written sci-fi and fantasy and so lucky is her newest book and it is um based on her own experiences it's about a woman who is the very successful director of a multi-million dollar aids foundation her name is mara um she's also like a martial artist and she's like is very like you know type a high powered like live in a good life And in the same week, she gets diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and her wife is leaving her. Um, So like, wow, Uh, you know, basically her whole life is falling apart in one week. And so she is struggling both with this diagnosis and with the end of her marriage, the potential start of a new relationship, but like, how do you start a new relationship when you have been diagnosed with this disease that is basically, you know, going to affect you for the rest of your life and all of the feelings that come along with a diagnosis like this, Um, you know, like anger and helplessness and, you know, okay, what am I going to do about it? And then Frustration that your body doesn't function the way it used to. And then frustration that things are not accessible that you never had to think about before. Um, and it's a really intense look at at sort of that discovery and adaptation and how that plays out emotionally. It's really intense and wonderful. I was just sort of blown away by how powerful this narrative is. And, and and you know, part of the like I mentioned, there's like some, is it magical? Is it hallucinatory? Like, what is it? But she, uh, she starts seeing some things that maybe are not there and that other people don't see. And it's all part of this, you know, sort of New crazy period in her life where she just nothing that she thought she could rely on is still there, and so yeah, it's a, it's an incredibly powerful book, and I think you know I I, I wish. Like I just wish everybody would read it first of all because we don't get a lot of narratives, at least that I'm aware of, in fiction in particular about dealing with disability and diagnoses like this. Um, And I think it's really important, especially for those of us who are able-bodied, to like understand those narratives and potentially for people who do have something in common with this to see themselves reflected on the page. Um, But also, it's not just about getting sick. Like it's about so much more. It's about you know, professional development, and it's about love, and it's about, you know, what happens when a relationship is disintegrating, and it's just, oh, there's so much good stuff going on in here. And Griffith is an amazing writer. It reads really beautifully. I, It feels like, you know, and it's, it's like 180 pages, which maybe is even technically novella length, um, but it packs such a big punch. So, and if you haven't read her before, I do think it's an interesting intro to her writing style, although I don't actually think that it, It's particularly indicative, like Hild, that I mentioned before, is a really sort of dreamy, old-world, historical novel. And this is a really sharp, contemporary, very present novel. So it's not like her writing style is staying the same, but her way with words is there, no doubt. And her ability to create settings and to make you feel like you're present with the characters, no matter what is going on, is for sure in full force. So... Yeah, I just I thought it was amazing. It came out earlier this year. Um and I would love to see more people pick it up. So, uh, again that is so lucky by Nicola Griffith.
0: I am all here for all of the books that are hard to place
1: yeah. genre. <laughs> I love those books so same, much. Same, same.
0: Um mine isn't necessarily like that. My science fiction pick, it is one of those Are superpowers, science fiction situations. Mm. But I've been reading, I just feel like I've been reading so much grimdark stuff lately. And I was like, I I just want to choose something that's fun and lighthearted. So my science fiction pick is Not Your Sidekick, uh, which is the first book in the Sidekick Squad Young Adult series by C.B. Lee. So I think if you like The Incredibles – Or if you or a young person you know is into science experiments, labs, and like covert in engineering, like spy style covert engineering, I think you should at least look into Not Your Sidekick. I love this book so, so much. So the story is set in this fictional suburbia called Andover and in this town and in this world superheroes are real as are supervillains and heroism is something that tends to run in the family except it seems to have sort of bypassed Jessica Tran who is the daughter of two superpowered parents and a uh one of their children with average abilities surrounded by really exceptional siblings And Jessica doesn't really have much hope for her future feats of heroism because she's never really, she's never been able to perform any sort of superpower, try as she might. Um, And she's approaching the end of her high school year, so, or her high school career, she's a senior, and so she's trying to make something happen because part of getting into college and part of getting into a superhero academic learning environment is being able to prove those powers. And nothing is happening for her. She's not even a super genius like her little brother. So her prospects, even as a regular college applicant, aren't really that hot. Um, So she makes this logical leap and gets an internship with a supervillain to give her her college applications a little boost, and the thing about this job is that her employer is really mysterious. First of all, like her interview is very strange, and it would—I think it would give a lot of red flags to anybody. But she decides to take it. She's desperate, and then she goes to work, and she finds out that her coworker happens to be her secret—her uh, secret crush, Abby. So. She considers some things, she dismisses some things, and she decides her job is pretty sweet. It gives her a chance to get closer to Abby, who, you know, as far as high school status is concerned, has always seemed miles away. And then, of course, all is not well in the suburbs, and Jessica gets pulled into this conflict that's going to put her heroism to a real test at last. And I thought about this book because it does feel like that time of year when... I don't know, some of us particularly crave really lighthearted, fun stories to read for the holidays, and I just found this book so full of adventure and so full of fun. It is definitely an adventure sci-fi story. It's also a story that features a host of young queer characters and where Jessica's identity is a, a natural part of her life rather than a huge part of her struggle. So these are queer characters written by a queer author, um which I always look for. And the romance in the story is really sweet and really cute. Um, And I, I love a story about a character who feels, who thinks they're very run of the mill, because I found Jessica's journey satisfying. I think... Because the story says, you know, no matter your age, I think many of us can relate to that feeling of being unspecial and wanting to prove yourself to the world. And the message there is a heartening one that doesn't emphasize being this chosen person, but rather fighting for what you believe in and for a better a better world, however that ends up looking for you. So I think if you're looking for a sci-fi adventure with a lot of heart and... Some robots and things. You should definitely check out Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. And then the second book, Not Your Villain, is also out. The third
1: is due next year, I believe. I also loved that book so much. I co-signed everything you said. It's exactly right. It's so sweet and lighthearted and fun and, like, with such a good sort of arc for jessica i loved it too yeah, yeah. it's just really good yeah so i want to read it again <laughs> I, know. I really need to read the second one i just can't. i just haven't had a chance um but i'm gonna pick it up um okay my second book is generally getting tagged as fantasy there are some elements of well, at the very least, technology and like actual steam technology. I think it's technically more silk punk than steampunk. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's the Black Tides of Heaven by J.Y. Yang, uh, which is the first in the Tenserit series, which is ongoing. Their novellas, and um, it is. Uh, it is, let's see, the fourth one comes out early next year. The other three are already out. But this one is still my favorite. It's the first one. It's actually the second one I read. I read them out of order by by accident, in my defense, <laughs> because the first two came out at the same time, and I did not realize the order. It was before they officially said numbers one and two on them, in my defense. um, But so, yeah, so this first one is about twins Mokoya and Akiha who are the children of the sort of highest ranking official in this world who's named The Protector. Um, And she sells them basically to this the Grand Monastery as children. Um, She's not a particularly warm and fuzzy mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mokoya has a gift of prophecy. Um, And and has always overshadowed her twin Akiha um, and as sort of – and and he has sort of been relegated to the background, to the shadows and, you know, ha- has trying to figure out what his role in life and in a lot of different things are because – you get their childhood, but you also see them sort of get, as they grow older, get sucked into this political unrest that's going on. And so um, this one follows Akiha as he tries to figure out like who he is and what he wants to do with himself and how to do that without totally losing his connection to his twin sister. And there's a lot of good stuff in here. It's got coming of age. It's got a really sweet gay love story. It's got this political tensions and like who's on the good side and who's on the bad side. And, you know, what are the rebels like? What is their role in all of this? Um, and it's got this family, you know, this strained family dynamic with the twin and the mom and all of that stuff. And it's kind of astonishing to me. This is like, you know, yeah, it's like 200 pages. It is technically a novella. Um, it's short, but it's so full of things. Things and juicy, juicy plot and really great characters. And I love the world building in this. There is magic, but akiha doesn't have any. Um, he like he doesn't have the gift of prophecy. He can't manipulate the magical system, which in this story is called the Slack, um, which is always unnerving for me because we we use <laughs> the app Slack for work, and I'm like that is it's not no. magical. <laughs> it's great, but it's not magical. Um, but anyway, he is like he is. You know, it's funny, Sharif was talking about, like, a character who feels like an outsider. Like, Akiha is very much a character who is on the outside of a lot of different things in a lot of different ways and struggling to figure out exactly that. Like, what do you believe in and how will you fight for it? Um but you get introduced to all the major players and the world through the lens of his of his story. And I just loved it so much. Um, I love all of the books in this series. There has not been a bad one yet. I'm really excited for it to continue because this world has so many different things going on. And I love seeing Yang explore them. Um, and it's really interesting to see all of the different angles that this plot is taking. They're very unexpected and I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just really it's just really great. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's great. Um, <laughs> everybody should be reading them. It's not the first time I've talked about the tensor at books, uh, but it, and it probably won't be the last actually. Let's just say that. Um, so again, that's the black tides of heaven by J Y Yang, whose pronouns are they them? Um, want to make sure I get that right. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just great. It's really great. Sounds fantastic. Ugh, and that's that's our story oh i um because we only you know have the time in this show to talk about two books each um but there are so many more good lgbtq sci-fi and fantasy I'm gonna leave some links in the bottom of the show notes for you to continue your further you know reading adventures um because yeah there there is a lot of great queer yeah. sci-fi <laughs> and fantasy out there like you should have access to all of it so we will leave some links in the show notes um thank you all so much for listening please Please do email us continue emailing us at sffe at bookriot.com we love to see your own picks for the themes or other themes that you would like to request um And just your general feedback is always welcome. You can also leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps other folks to find the show. So we always appreciate that. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, and that is Jen with two N's IRL. And you can find me on Instagram at Sina Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And we'll talk to you next time.